Hi, and welcome to the Newberry Chronicles, a podcast where two readers go through the Newberry medals and talk about them. I'm Michael. And I'm Rebecca. And on this podcast episode, we are reading Invincible Louisa, the story of the author of Little Women, which won the Newberry Medal in 1934. Um, Rebecca here is our very own super fan of Louisa May Alcott, so uh, I'm going to let her describe this book. So take it away, Rebecca. Yeah, and I do think that that is a really important disclaimer to make, is that I uh, love Louisa May Alcott. Much of my childhood was colored by her stories and her books, and I'm actually drinking out of my mug from Orchard House. Um, If you are not familiar with the details of Louisa May Alcott's life, like the majority of probably America, um, Orchard House was one of the homes that she and her family lived in in Concord, Massachusetts. And um, it was my lifelong dream to go there. And that was fulfilled uh, a couple years ago now. When More than a couple. Well, it's been probably five years. It's such a beautiful memory in my heart. It just feels like yesterday. Rebecca is such <laughs> a super fan that she braved a historic blizzard. Um, she braved a, a stomach bug. Um, and all sorts of other travails to make it to the sacred ground uh, and and sacred home of uh, Saint Louisa May Alcott. Um, and I I have I have no regrets. It was such such a wonderful. It's such a wonderful town. Um, and we want to go back. We really wanted to go to the cemetery in the town that's called Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, where. Um, so many famous thinkers and, and artists in America are buried. Louisa May Alcott is there. Uh, her dad, Bronson Alcott, which you'll learn more about in this episode, Thoreau, Hawthorne, um, just, they were all just hanging out, thinking and creating and conquered. And so it's just... We couldn't go because of the blizzard. This was, again, to describe the hardship that we went through (laughs) to get to Concord, Massachusetts, so hard that not even the residents had opened up the National Historic Register yes. of Places uh, Cemetery. Yes. So, uh, anyway, back to Cornelia. I think um, an important connection to make uh, with this book to the book that we reviewed last time, which was The Story of Mankind. Um, when we did our episode on The Story of Mankind, we weren't familiar with any of the other books that were nominated that year for the Newberry, but, but come to find out, Cornelia Meggs that wrote The Invincible Louisa was nominated that year for her book, The Windy Hill. I don't know anything about that book, um, but I would be more interested in reading it than The Story of Mankind. So. Yeah, it's maybe there's maybe a kinder, gentler alternate universe where she had the first Newberry medal as opposed to Mr. Van Loan. Yeah, yeah. So... Invincible Louisa. It's hard to, I think, summarize a biography. Um, it, it it does what any good biography does. It talks about her birth. It talks about the beginning of her career. It talks a lot about her family and their own journeys um, that, that influenced her in different ways. Um, I think that Michael mentioned transcendentalism um, when we were talking about the intro to this book, but... Um, Louisa's dad, Bronson, was one of the transcendentalists in New England. Um, Which is really why I know anything about the historical context. Rebecca is 
the the expert here. I know I've never read a Louisa May Alcott book. I've only seen Little Women movies um, multiple times, um, and they're good. But um, I mostly know the the like setting that she grew up in because I'm familiar with uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson or Henry, yeah. Henry David Thoreau or people like that who were family friends of the Alcotts. Yeah. So this book talks a lot about Bronson's beginnings and um, kind of where his beliefs and ideas took root and uh, took flight. Um, it talks a lot about her mom that we actually learned more about when we went to Concord and how she was one of the early founders of modern-day social work in America. Um, which Doesn't is, this book talks about she was like the first social worker in Boston or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which Concord is just outside of Boston for people who don't right. know. Right, right. Um, so one thing that is unique about this biography is that, uh, because of when it was written, um, so Cornelia Meggs was born four years before Louisa May Alcott died. So when she was writing this book, um, she got to talk to a lot of people that knew her in person. So specifically, um, Louisa's sister, Anna's daughter-in-law was one of the sources that really provided a lot of the, um, information for this book. Um, a lot of books that were written by people that she knew, she got to borrow that information for writing this book. So I, th- that was really cool, just a different perspective to hear from family. Um, so that's kind of the overview of the book itself. Um, just a little bit about Cornelia Meggs. Um, something that we found out as we were doing our research is that the in the bio of this book, Invincible Louisa, it talks about how she has, um, I think it says, illustrious family members. Um, yeah, it's very vague. It yeah. says um, she is a descendant of a family which has supplied illustrious names in United States history. And that's yeah. it. So I looked it up. And so one thing, her sister was a famous doctor. But then we found out that her grandfather, Montgomery C. Meigs, Meigs, sorry, was a, was a general in the Union Army in the Civil War. Um, and he was also one of the architects for Arlington National Cemetery and was one of the people that made the decision to locate Arlington on uh, Robert E. Lee's family estate just to kind of humiliate him for uh, <laughs> a true hero tearing, of the people. tearing the nation a apart. A true hero of the people. Like, make America great again, yeah. I say, by making more cemeteries on Civil War uh, Confederate traitors. Right. Uh, so she comes from good people. Um, she both attended and was a professor at Bryn Mawr College. Um, she was nominated for three Newbery Awards and then won one. So I guess she was technically nominated for four and won with Invincible Louisa. Um, she wrote over 30 children's books. She really loved history, so a lot of the books that she wrote were rooted in um, just history. Um, she also wrote a biography of Jane Addams, which I would be interested to read, which is another, she's considered the founder of social work in America, but she was in Chicago. So that's a little bit about Cornelia. Michael, why don't you talk about what you liked about this book? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, the contrast, we've already mentioned the contrast between reading the story of mankind and then reading this book. This book is just much breezier to read. Um, it is centered on a specific person and family, so you kind of like you know can you know learn their ups and downs, and there's like human scale drama um, as opposed to the 
you know, historic scale of things. Um, so just like, you know, in the context of what we've done for this podcast, it was, this is a nice uh, palate cleanser. Um, but also, I, I think I didn't, I don't know that much about Luis Mayalkai outside of knowing that a lot of um, Little Women is autobiographical or semi-autobiographical. Um, and like I said, I know a little bit about like transcendentalism and stuff like that. Um, and so I just enjoyed reading about, um, uh, you know, just, just her life. I mean, she has a really interesting life. I, you know, I, there are obviously good ways to write a biography and bad ways to write a biography, but like there's, you know, a certain element of like, if a person has an interesting life, it's going to be interesting to read about regardless. And uh, Louise Mayocott and her family simply have like a really interesting life. Like her dad, Bronson, was like this pioneer of like education, like, you know, pioneering stuff that we would consider like kind of foregone now, like having um, co-ed, like gendered um, classrooms or having integrated classrooms racially or mm-hmm. things like that. Um, or just learning styles, you know, getting away from like the kind of rote memorization and more into like hands-on, like kinesthetic sort of stuff, like... Um, and I am a public school teacher, um, and uh, he's kind of instrumental in the history of public schooling in America because, um, you know, at the time, uh, in the mid-1800s, you know, there was no national public education expectation. Um, and so his belief that, um, you know, everybody, you know, deserves education, that education is inherently valuable regardless of who you are, like, that went on to, you know, shape the the foundations of, like, the profession I'm in, which I think is... Uh, really interesting, and um, Louise Malcott is, like, an active participant in that. Like, a lot of this book is about her father, um, especially the early goings, because her childhood is just kind of defined by the whims of, like, that that life of, like, this kind of, like, high-minded, like, philosophically engaged man um, who would just, like, honestly, like, it sounded like he just drug his family through some terrible times to, like, try to, like, realize his vision for uh, these kind of, like, utopian ideas, um, and, uh, I don't know, I just think that that's, that's really interesting, like, I mean, in some ways, she has this really archetypal childhood, right, you know, where she's, you know, it's a really vibrant family life, she's always running around outside and stuff like that, you know, and, like, that fits in some ways with, like, other, like, kind of children's literature archetypes, like in, um, you know, Little House on the Prairie or things like that, but there's something very nice about the fact that, like, uh, her father was doing things for a cause that in modern times we would consider good, as opposed to, like, let's say, you know, in Little House on the Prairie, you know, uh, the, you know, at best questionable motives of Pa Ingalls uh, doing what he did. Um, And I don't know, like, there's something just nice about, um, you know, this group of people who, like, I think have, like, a kind of life mission, including Louisa, of course, because that's the focus of the book, but, like, her whole family, really, like, this life mission of promoting the arts, promoting education, uh, promoting, like, the abolition of slavery mm-hmm. also, like, and, you know. And, and not just abolition of slavery, but Bronson is actively integrating the classroom. Right, like, and they have friends who, like, sheltered, like, you know, enslaved people who had, like, you know, were escaping the South and stuff like that, like, I mean, they truly were, like, connected to that radical... They were friends with John Brown, mm-hmm. you know, a.k.a., like, the hero, like, of my hero, at least. <laughs> like, we all should be executed for trying to end slavery, right? Um, and uh, I don't know, like, you don't always get that with, like, histories. Like, and I... 
this book is a little bit hagiographic. Like, it doesn't really, like, complicate her in any way. And so I'm sure, like, there are things about Louis Malcott's life that aren't very fun to read about in a modern context. But, like, the things that we learn here, it's it's just nice, you know? It's nice to know that, you know, there are... Uh, you know, it's nice to have this kind of, like, group of people who are, have these ideals and ended up realizing those ideals in some way. And, I mean... Um, Louisa Malcott's very cool. Like, she went and, like, was a nurse for a little while and, like, you know, wrote these, like, uh, memoirs about, like, her experiences as a nurse that kind of talked about, like, the problems with, like, uh, medical care that soldiers got. And then she went and, like, wrote children's books. And she wrote, like, under, like, a pseudonym, not a pseudonym, she, like, anonymously wrote this, like, off-character, like, um, a retelling of Faust. And, like, she was just, like, a... I don't know, like, I, I, I don't know how much of this, you know, is uh, Cornelia Meggs versus just, it's interesting to read about facts about Louisa May Alcott, but, like, I thought it was, it was interesting. I just enjoyed mm-hmm. learning about her. Um, yeah. What did you like, Rebecca? Well, I liked all of those things. I, I really felt like this book reads like a children's book which I did not, I don't mean to just compare this book to Story of Mankind, but it's kind of hard when we just... It's inescapable. (laughs) It is, but I think it's also a good juxtaposition because we've read two um, nonfiction children's books back to back, and I think this one does a really good job of telling a story about this person's life. I think that she does really well with not just giving you facts, like this happened and then this happened and then that happened, um, which can really bog you down in a biography, but she really... Which was basically the story of mankind. Yes. <laughs> but but she really does build on how those things were foundational and um, what, what Louisa believed about her family and really how her own desires conflicted with those, but how really the fulfillment of her desire is what saved her family, you know? And I think that Cornelia does a really good job of talking about the dreams of Bronson and and her mom, Abba, May, and how um, those those dreams and desires were, were beautiful, um, but were ahead of their time in a lot of ways. And just in terms of practicality, they were poor. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, as an aside, like uh, her mother, Ava May, like deserves a, a medal or something because all it, the medals. The book, at least as the book de- depicts it, like Bronson is like, "Hey, what if you know <laughs> we went and lived in this like commune where everyone just shared everything?" And uh, she's like, "Okay," and they go along with it, and the commune kind of fails because people leave for various reasons, and so the Alcotts are like on the brink of starvation, uh, and she's just like you know, uh, you know, uh, making sure the family survives. And then Bronson's like, hey, what if we did this thing? And then they, she's like, okay, and they do it. And, like, obviously, you know, I, I don't think that, like, you should just, like, rubber stamp everything your spouse says. And there's, a, there's room for, like, speaking up. But, like, she also clearly, like, believed in, like, these things. and But she was also, like, the practical-minded one. And I... Yeah. It, it's... I don't know. Like, but she's they, kind of a... There's not very many things that the book tells us that's, like, 
she's not an interesting person in the way that Bronson or Luisa are interesting because she's not the person going out and doing these like high-minded, like ambitious things, but she's playing that role. But she also is. I think back to the part that we read about when they moved to Boston because she was doing social work and they, you know, that wasn't like financially lucrative for them. (laughs) Still isn't. But that, but they did move for that desire too. So I do see, I don't know. I loved I loved seeing the relationship between Bronson and Abba and how Louisa was kind of right there in the middle of that and, and really identified with her mom in a lot of ways but still was very influenced by her dad and his beliefs. And one thing that I liked about this book is I felt like there was a different perspective than in other accounts that I've read. Like a lot of times what I've heard is that if you've read, Louise, if, if you've read Little Women, then you know that um, Joe's dad is is barely in that book because he's a chaplain for the um, in, the, in the Civil Army. War, like for the majority of the book, so he's hardly in there. And how I always heard uh, scholars um, justify that was that Louisa didn't have a way to fit her dad into the fairy tale of her life. Um, but what really Cornelia challenges is that she didn't know how to really depict her dad in a way that honored him fully for who he was. So, I mean, again, it's like you said, this book is all the rosy about Louisa and her family. I, I do think it it's pretty practical, but um, everything's very favorable about these people. But I enjoyed reading that perspective that maybe it was because she admired her dad so much and she didn't want people to make fun of him, you know, or she didn't know kind of how to depict him in a way that did him justice, which I thought was really great. I I just love this book so much. I think that it helped me um, really just love Louisa all the more and made me want to go back to Concord, uh, which I already said. Um, I also am one that is also very in love with the uh, movie adaptations of Little Women. So um, the, I think it's 1995 was the one that Winona Ryder was in. Is that right? That you know. sounds, I mean, that sounds right. Okay. It's like 94, 95. So I loved that movie. Christian Bale, like that movie is wonderful. Love that. Still love it. And then. The top, top five greatest like on-screen kisses too. No. Is <laughs> those kisses between Laurie and Joe where you can see when they pull away, there's a little thread of spit like okay. connecting them. It's It gleams in the sunlight. It's yes. perfect. It is beautiful. That is not why I love the movie. That's but why I love the movie. Greta Gerwig actually uh, made a film adaptation of Little Women in uh, 2019 that is just so wonderful. And what I loved about reading this book is you can see a lot of um, how Greta was really in her movie weaving the lives of Joe and Louisa together into this beautiful thing that honored Louisa May Alcott but also was true to the heart of the book and I just they're both geniuses Cornelia and Greta they're just geniuses um yeah so I think I just really like how um you just learn how little little women it is semi-autographical but it does walk that line of fantasy versus reality which i think any of us when the, when we're telling the story of our lives would would walk um so yeah that's what i liked what did you not like um i mean i overall liked the book um there like i mentioned earlier like 
it is a bit, uh, it's positive, right? Like the, the ethos of this book is, and in fact, like the, the first chapter is, wow, Little Women is basically the greatest book of all time. What wonderful <laughs> angel could have written this book? Let me tell you about it. And then it goes on to tell you about it. And like, I'm not saying this book is wrong about like the facts that it gives, but like it does feel incomplete. Um, and I don't mean incomplete just in the sense of it doesn't tell us when she, whatever, like did something bad. Um, although like, again, like I said, it's very, very positive about her, which is nice. Like, I like that. Um, but um, it also feels incomplete. And like, there are weird things that get underexplained in this book. Like one of her sisters dies like majorly, like she, like Louisa has to like adopt her kids and stuff like that. And it never explains why she dies. I had to look on Wikipedia uh, to see why she died. And, like, there's a few things like that where... And I know this is a book for kids. Um, and so you're going to, like, you know, do shortcuts and, like, not get into all the details that you would in, like, in a biography for adults or something like that. But there were definitely parts where I felt like... I think this this doesn't feel like it's explained enough. And I have questions about this. Um, the same thing happens... And I, I know that the most... For a lot of people, especially for ch for young readers, the most interesting part of Louisa Malcott's life is going to be her childhood, and it spends probably like the majority of this book talking about when she is a child. And she didn't live to be that long; she was like fifty or something when she died. Um, mm. uh, she died uh, right when her dad died, which is kind of yeah. wild to me. Um, yeah. But it, I think, once you hit the publication of Little Women, it skims through the rest of her life. Like, mm -hmm. um, and again, like she didn't have that many years of success, like, relative to before. Like, it was more than halfway through her life when she wrote Little Women. But, like, there's maybe, like, two two chapters or something like that about her career as a writer, which, I mean, that's what she's known for. And I would have liked to know more about that. Like, it, it felt really rushed. Like, once you hit Little Women, we just rushed through, like, Joe's Boys, and um, mm -hmm. which I think was the last thing she published. But then even other than that, like, her... It talks a little bit about she struggled, like she struggled to break into the adult market. Um, like she would write short stories and stuff like that, and was reasonably good at selling short fiction uh, before Little Women was published. Once Little Women was published, like she never envisioned herself as an author for children, and this was a like the premise for Little Women was something that was suggested to her. It wasn't um, something that she thought that she would write, um, and it you know turns out that that's what people really liked about her and. It talks a little bit about how she continued to try to publish, like, novels for adults or writing for adults, and they never connected as well as Little Women. And, like, again, like, it's just barely mentioned. I wish, it, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen more in-depth uh, of some of that stuff. And, yeah. um, again, like, I'm sitting here as an adult thinking, like, I want to know more about her adult life. And so maybe, like, as an author for young readers, your obligation is for the the childhood of that person that you're giving the biography of. But um, that's what I feel like. It was mostly like, it wasn't that I disliked what was in the book. It felt like that there were things missing from the book that I would have liked to have included. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think um, I also, as much as I love how this book reads as a story, like it is very narrative. Um, it is very conversational. Um one of, I think, the cons of that is she doesn't really cite her sources Yeah, anywhere. and she'll have things in quotation marks, <laughs> and it's unclear, like, where this quote came from. Yeah, it's so, it's, so it's like sometimes, um, 
she makes these very intimate conclusions about things um, and about people's feelings about things and just kind of states them as fact. And I'm like, well, that's really beautiful. I wonder where that came from. You know, so <laughs> I don't, I think that's one of the one of the places where it's like, I love reading about this because I love Louisa May Alcott, but I don't really know how much of this is accurate. Um, now, I will say we've been kind of on and off comparing this to Story of Mankind. Story of Mankind has a, an, an extensive bibliography. That is true. So this is, you win this one, Story of Mankind, <laughs> <laughs> a point for, for uh, Van Loan. Yeah. Some other things, uh, some of the timeline is a little bit confusing to me and just conflicts with what we learned when we were in Concord, but that, I mean, you also consider how many years have passed since this book was written, and you learn new things, and things get clarified. There's other sources there, so I don't really think that's a fault of the book. It um, is sometimes, though, like, she does this thing, the author does this thing, where um, she kind of, like, talks topically, um, which makes sense, um, you know, if you're talking about the publication of Little Women, you're going to want to, like, continue that thread. But then she'll, like, circle back and do stuff about, like, before Little Women was published, once she's done talking about Little Women. And sometimes it's a little bit confusing, like, when she circles back to, like, when she's done with a certain thought and then circles back to something else, like, when are we picking up the thread? Um, there are a few moments when I thought that was a little confusing. Yeah. Um, I do feel like a portion of, our podcast has become what is racist about this book. And I think that that's just well, going to be... Just because the story of mankind <laughs> invited that. Yes. I just, I think that's going to be true of books from this era. But there are, you know, this this book is very anti-slavery, is pro the beliefs of the Alcots and pro, like... Pro, pro integration the, the union. And, like, yeah. not a second thought of... Celebrating yes. John Brown so, and like the radical Republicans. That is very great. There is uh, at least one problematic part where they talk about um, black people and certain black people that Louisa met that um, would just steal from you while they're smiling or just something really concerning like that. And I was like, I really hope she didn't write that anywhere <laughs> and that that was just something that uh, Cornelia decided to put in there. But, you know. Um, I don't really have a ton of dislikes about this book, but one, one more thing I want to say before we get to our thumbs up or thumbs down, um, which might actually segue into that section. Um, but, but one thing that Michael and I were talking a lot about as we were reading this book that I've always been fascinated by is that just in this, this small community, this tiny little community, yeah, Concord um, has like less than like 5,000 residents and has always had that level of population that you have all of these thinkers just living together living life together teaching one another talk and I just think it shows what can happen in a community where creativity is just allowed to flourish and is allowed to thrive and grow sometimes at, at this at the sake of practicality, you know, and, well, and having... Well, then Bronson's whole thing, right, yeah. is that, like, you give people the freedom to experiment and, and be creative, and that's going to bring up the best of people. Yeah, and so you not only have the names that we recognize, like Thoreau and Hawthorne and Emerson and Alcott, but you also have people that um, they were good friends with Elizabeth Peabody, who we learned um, founded kindergarten in America. Like, they, they were... 
um, contemporaries with her and living and thinking together. And so I just, um, I, that was just really beautiful to me to see their community that um, Luisa's life was hard. You know, it was really hard. And she has this quote, um, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but saying that her life is full of trouble. So she writes jolly tales. And I, I think that that is really true. Um, but I just think that, that in that, Bronson had two brilliant daughters, but two that became famous artists. Like her sister May that we mentioned um, was a, a painter, um, and she is in, the, in Little Women too. If you read about Amy, that's who inspired her. But just I, I I'm just now snapping to that's in a um, an anagram. What's the word? Not anagram, um, or yeah, I guess it is an anagram yeah. for May. Okay. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I just, I find that fascinating and really just telling of what can happen when you have um, people that are given space for their ideas and their beliefs, and especially when those beliefs are about the well-being of all people. And I think that at the foundation, there, there, every, there's obviously problematic things about um, these thinkers, but I just enjoyed seeing that and, um, yeah. So I, I give this book two thumbs up. It's good. I like it. Thumbs up for me as well. So far, we're we're um we're all on the same page with these thumbs up and thumbs down. <laughs> when when will we have a house divided? I don't know. Maybe it's our next book. Do you strawberry, want to yeah, that? Strawberry Girl. Um, which as we've talked about in the other podcasts, our our methodology here is. In order that we don't get bogged down in any particular time period, we're picking one book from each decade until we get to the present, and then we're going to loop back around to the the, the 1920s again and then pick one book from each decade. So we're this book, uh, Invincible Louisa, was from the 1930s. Um, we're now moving into the 1940s with the next episode, um, and it's going to be uh, the book Strawberry Girl by uh, a woman named Lois Lenski. And Strawberry Girl, I believe, is 1946. Is that what we looked up? Yes, it is 1946, um, and I guess we'll see how we, fi- we feel about that one. I have not read this book. Uh, this is a book that my mother talked about <laughs> often when I was growing up, and um, so I guess we'll see, we'll see how it holds up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if, if any of this is appealing to you that we've talked about, let me give you some homework assignments. So... Ooh. Number number one, go read Little Women first. Uh, then you, it's pretty long. You it might. is long. It is long, but I, I highly encourage you to read it. Read Invincible Louisa. It was really great. And then go watch the 1995 version of Little Women. Or 94, and then, we're not sure. Yeah, one of those. The one with Winona Ryder. Winona and Christian. And They're Susan in Sarandon. It. Yes. Oh, so many wonderful people. Kirsten Dunst as a baby. She well, was, a child. Well, she's she's just a little baby. Um, and then compare and contrast to Greta Gerwig's 2019 Little Women, and then watch all of the interviews There's that she did about it. Little Women. There's also Little Women with um, Catherine Hepburn, I yes, believe. which I also have seen. Not my fave, but, you know. Um, you but don't yeah, think uh, Louisa May had a hybrid transatlantic accent? You know, I don't think that she did. Um, but then, then you have to watch all the interviews that Greta Gerwig and the cast had because they had them inside Orchard House, and it's just absolutely magnificent. And that's the last that I will say. As as the educator in the room, I have to uh, mention that 
Uh, it's recommended that for every grade level, you only have one hour of homework. So by the, you know, first grader should only have, or excuse me, well, 10 minutes of homework. So I said a first grader should have 10 is... minutes of music, or blah, 10 minutes of homework. Uh, <laughs> a second grader should have 20 minutes of homework, etc. So this is just extra credit. Extra credit homework. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's endless. So anyway, thanks for listening. Yes, thanks. Uh, and talk to you next time for Strawberry Girl.